Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. This might not be what you want to hear if you were somebody who watched it live, the post-game show, but that's what I'm going to have to play for you. It is 1 o'clock here. I cannot stay up any later with work tomorrow. I do have a 9 to 5. Can't stay up any longer and record something new, but myself, Stephen Thomas, and our producer on the Twitch channel, uh, Ian McBride, put together a really, really good post-game show. Lasts about an hour, covers everything from my immediate takeaways from this game. So I did want to share that with you. If there are some little annoying alert noises, I'm sorry. Life happens. Can't stay up any later for this one, guys. Apologize. But there is some really good content discussion in here that does give all of the initial takeaways from the game. So uh, if you're not a member of our OBR Twitch, go there, follow it, subscribe to it. Would appreciate that very much. We do a pre and post game. It's driven by the content of those who watch it. Great questions, great interaction. Just a heads up that we do that, and I would appreciate it if you'd go follow it. But for now, sorry that this isn't brand new and fresh. Hopefully for most of you it is. Here are the post-game thoughts from myself and Stephen Thomas on the OBR Twitch right after the game. Runs for about an hour. Hopefully you guys enjoy it. Have a great, great victory Friday. Welcome back, guys. Welcome back. It was not beautiful. It was not pretty. They will certainly not put it... Uh in the Louvre, and it does in no way make up for the three losses to the Broncos in the 80s, of which I am still holding on to quite a grudge. But W, as the kids say, and that is all that matters, right, Mr. Burns? It's all that matters, man. Had to get it done. They got it done. A lot to break down here. Uh, but yeah, man, you you just you got to feel good about winning that game. It's it's clear the Cleveland Browns are not quite playoff caliber, and, and it's pretty obvious why. But, you know, it's it's a game that we just talked about in the pregame, that it didn't matter how it looked. They didn't care if it finished two to nothing, right? You just had right. to win, and they won. And that's great. They probably feel really good now going into this stretch of 10 days off. Well, 10 days without a game because you'll get practice in it too. But, I mean, come on. What a story. Dearness Johnson. Dang, man. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the thing. We said it on the pregame here, uh, and those of you who have joined us in the pregame and are back, uh, over 100 of you already, thank you guys for coming back. Uh, Blinka says thank you. Blinka says thank you. Um, we said it in the pregame. We'd seen this Felton over the last, you know, what, year and a half uh, in a relief role come in when he was fresh and the defense was tired and looked like he had burst and looked like he could do it, and he did some great things. But the question was, could he do it when he was, you know, you know the man from the jump? And boy, I, I don't know how you look at it and say he didn't he didn't do it tonight. I mean, the guy looked just as fresh uh, uh, on that last drive, converting two consecutive third downs to close it out uh, with uh, as he did on that opening drive, which I thought I picked that opening drive as my play of the game. Uh, just the whole drive, because it was so critical after all the panic, after all of the malaise and the questions and all the injuries and everything. That first drive to come out and not only score, but just ram it down their throats the way they did. I think it eased a lot of tensions, both on the sidelines and in the stands. You could feel the stadium sort of exhale 
okay, all right, at least they have a chance. At least they're not going to get waxed again, you know, like that kind of thing. And it gave, I think Kevin Stefanski, it gave him a lot of confidence to open up that playbook uh, as the game wore on. Did you think so? For sure. They they felt comfortable that if uh, if they took some risks, that they still had a good chance to not only get the ball to deer in his hands and in, you know, regular running senses, but he was effective catching the football too. And right. the same with Demetric Felton. I mean, there was pretty good confidence in, in those guys to – to handle either role, Steve. And yeah, I thought that in some, some tough situations after first down and completions, and again, plays that I was fine with for the most part. I mean, I didn't have any issues with much that Stefanski did in this game, but like, I thought that there was really good trust, just the same sort of trust that he has with Nick and Kareem, that if it's second and 10, after we get aggressive and take a shot, these guys can get us something to get us in some sort of decent third down. Right. So kudos man kudos to everybody involved i thought dimitrik's ability and I'm, I'm listen i have no choice but to write about it everybody will write about him but i have to write about it too is he was so good at making second level defenders miss in this game yes. like his ability man to make one little cut uh the, at the second level with uh, somebody who was exposing themselves inside or outside he had a, a nice little uh, way of bouncing the run too i've said last year and I thought that people thought I was crazy. Uh, maybe I didn't say it all too publicly or whatever. But after that Cowboys game, I thought he had like some little Alvin Kamara to his game. Like not, he's not the same player. Alvin Kamara is a superstar, but he kind of runs the same sort of with that uh, almost like hunched over hidden look to him. You know what I'm saying? Where he makes it look effortless, Steve. They talked about it on the, on the broadcast, how he was, uh, I think they, he was like a four, eight 40 guy. And that's what kind of led to his undrafted, status i i mean i just he runs faster than a 4.8 i think he's he's sneaky fast and sometimes it's how quick do you get to top speed right how quick can right. you cut and get to top speed um and i and i just i don't know i felt really good about how he performed and i think there's something there and we you've said this to me many, many times he is a he's a real running back in the league it's not here because there's two genuine fan like superstar running backs in cleveland but he's somewhere someone's watching this game going we got to find a way to get that guy in 2021 or two whatever year it is anymore 2022 like he's good and he still might be a very big part of cleveland's plans in the future too i think he proved that tonight yeah absolutely i mean we've said it many times he would be starting for you know 20 to 25 teams in this league or at least in a heavy rotation if not a feature back a uh you know, uh, sharing a backfield kind of a thing. I, and, you know, a lot of people, like you said, they thought we were just making it up because, you know, he's on our team and we liked him and all that. No, dude can play, man. And like you said before, they they said it on the broadcast, He's he ran a 4.8. This is where that new information about game speed is going to mm -hmm. become more and more mainstream and more popular. The, the 40 time, I think, for at least the foreseeable future is still going to be the metric by which a lot of people measure how fast a guy is. But there's how fast you are in shorts and T-shirts running in a straight line with no one chasing you. And then there's how fast you are with all the pads on and, and people trying to, to break your neck and scramble your brains. And you got to make a decision. You have to read the line. You got to see it and you got to make your cut. And I think the fact that he, at least tonight anyway, he showed he's decisive. He'll put his foot in the ground and go fits well with this offense. When the running game is really clicking, it's one of two things. It's one cut go, or it's a, it's a backside thing that Nick does. Now, now he's, he missed a couple big plays where there, I thought there was huge uh, backside uh, uh, cutback lanes for him, but I mean, he made so many other plays. It's not like it came back to bite him or anything like that. So 
I don't know if, especially after tonight, after a showcase game on the national stage, like we said in in, in the uh, pregame, I don't know that. Uh... <laughs> it's, not, it's, not, it's a little rated R, but it is funny. Command, yeah. shout out to Commander of Awesome. Well it's done. almost midnight in the East, so you know it's yeah. late night, late night Cinemax uh, here on uh, on the OBR Twitch channel. But uh, I think uh, if they can find a way to keep him. That would be great. I don't know if they're going to be able to because somebody's going to offer him more money and a more prominent role almost assuredly at this point. So unless there's some move to get rid of Kareem or something like that, and I don't know that there is, this is it. I hope we enjoy him this year because this is probably it. Yeah, I'm happy. I'm just happy for him. I think he seems like a great dude. He's got a great story, Steve. Like, um, but just from everything that you talk to people that connected with the Browns, like he shows up in scout team and plays hard. He shows up every day. He won the job from, you know, from, the, from the moment he arrived. He's impressed to take that third job away from, you know, back. Uh, I'm trying to think of who it was that he took that third running back job from um, last year. Who was that? I cannot remember the, the back that was fringe at the end of the roster. Somebody can step up and help me. It's 25. I can, it was before. Oh, yeah. Don, Don, Don Hilliard. Hilliard. Thank you. Good call yeah. over there. Um, yeah. So he took that job from Hilliard a little unexpectedly, but you certainly see it now. Like I remember last year when he broke that run, which was so similar to runs we saw tonight from the gun against the Colts to close that game out for 40 yards. He's a player, man. He's a player who and it's like they made a, not many great points were made in this game from the broadcast crew who I thought was yikes sometimes like troy aikman in the last three minutes is like yeah well cleveland's just trying to run out the clock you think troy you, do you think that's what we're trying to do here big fella but uh they made a great point about like udfa guys in denver and denver always used to find those udfa guys and then you know cleveland when you have you know when you have the situation that they have with the two running backs there you shouldn't just presume that guys behind nick and kareem can't play because right. they're just lacking opportunity it's my same point to like with donovan people's jones who that sucked that he had to miss tonight with that groin injury in the pregame. But, like, he's a player. And just because he's behind Jarvis and Odell and has been fighting for spot, you know, been fighting for time getting, you know, reps and everything, like, that doesn't matter. Like, sometimes guys just have to find a way. And there's always going to be opportunity cost, right? You're right. paying Nick. You're paying Kareem. You're going to give them the opportunities. But that doesn't mean a guy can't play. And I think it's pretty evident that Demetri can play. Uh, and sorry, Dearness and Demetri can both play. I thought, you know, we haven't talked about Felton, but I thought Felton had a really nice game too. Let me uh, just jump in real quick. Some shout outs to the chat. Uh, D-Dubs927 gifted a, a tier one sub. Thank you for that. Commander of Awesome with the uh, the PP the joke a second ago. Uh, subscribed for his third consecutive month for free with Amazon Prime. I will put a link over there for those of you who are new. If you don't know how to do that, if you have Amazon Prime, you can subscribe for free. And we are in the midst. Uh, I think we just made it to level two of a hype train because in addition to that, uh, let me just scroll down and find level it. Level three. We're on level just four. Completed, we're on level wow. four now. Our good friend Eagle and one who is a gifting maniac gifted 10 more tier one subscriptions. So uh, uh, GameCube, uh, We Dream and Sound, Mac Flyer, Logical Smoke, all you guys who just got a, uh, a, a subscription gifted to you from Eagle and one. Uh, say thank you. Also, uh, there was a couple more. Uh, Michael Gradowski subscribed with Prime. Thank you. Uh, Scouting Service subscribed with Prime. Thank you. We had a couple more follows. D Dubs 
gifted another sub. Uh, all you guys out there, uh, you guys are awesome. Thank you so much. Over 200 in here watching right now on this victory post game. I just wanted to get that out. We never want to take the chat for granted or all of our subscriptions and followers. Thank you guys for that. Um, but yeah, I th obviously, Dearness, the, the biggest star of the game, and we will continue to talk about him as the night goes on. But I wanted to get your take, and everybody else probably does too, probably from different reasons. But uh, on Case, I thought, you know, he was uh, what we thought. He was smart. He was efficient. He got the ball out on time for the most part. He missed a couple of long throws. That one in the first half where Odell just, I don't know who was on him. I never, I could never catch the name on the back of the jersey, but he absolutely smoked him on that double move. And uh, uh, it might have Casey, been Ronald Darby. I can't, it remember. could have been Darby. I, I don't I couldn't figure it out. Whoever number 21 is just got his jock just taken out and stuffed down his throat on that double move. <laughs> um, and I thought uh, he was exactly what we thought he was going to be smart, efficient. He, he's not going to make a ton of plays down the field. Um, I thought the, the back shoulder throw that he threw to Jarvis on the ball that on the call that got reversed, I thought was a really pretty throw. And uh, I thought Jarvis should have come down with that. Uh, even though it was clearly incomplete, if you were at the stadium and one of the people booing, they must not have showed the right review on the replay <laughs> or something because it was clearly incomplete. Your sign was Jarvis running up to the line like he stole. Exactly. Exactly. So, but and then of course, I mean, we we got to talk about that absolute nails run on fourth down to convert. That was just. I mean, that was like watching you know a Nick Chubb run where not not with the same moves and speed. I'm just saying that. I'm getting this and you are not stopping me. I don't care what you do. It was just nails. So he was my second star of the game. I think he's probably a pretty uh, popular pick. I thought he did exactly uh, what he needed to do. There is no quarterback controversy, but he proved like we've been saying all year that if you need him for a few games, yeah. he, he's one of the more capable backups in the league that's and a, a nice guy to have in there. That's what, that's what he should do. Like that's why you paid him $6 million to come in and start a couple games here. And, Baker should still not feel rushed. Like you can take your time, man. I and I don't think anybody. If anybody, we talk about in the pregame. If anyone's using this as a reason to even discuss Baker, cool. That's because you have an issue you want to iron out. But like, Case was good. He was fine. He did what he was supposed to do. You know, he took advantage of some middle of the field throws that I think really were needed, really were necessary. I thought he took advantage of some nice touch throws. That ball to Njoku on the drag on that third down was really nicely placed. He. He did a great job. That that gritty run on on, on fourth down that ended up winning the game, Steve, where he breaks a tackle at the, at the point of attack. Like, he did fine. I think people got way too jumpy on that Jarvis end zone play where he was working to the right and was coming back to him, but the window wasn't open. He was waiting for the window. You got yep. to give a chance for the window to clear and throw with anticipation. And as he was Eighth going to throw it, yeah, he, he got hit from behind. So that was not uh, some egregious miss. It looks egregious when the TV view shows it going by you know you got to watch it from different angles before you start jumping on it but that's what we do it's a tv view and everyone jumps to conclusions some people we need to shout out the offensive line like i oh, mean yeah. i know that there were some issues with some pass protection things here and there i mean i still think jed is maybe 50 percent, and i might be being generous steve but boy was his presence felt wasn't it gritty, oh my great performance from the tv view it looked like the interior guys were mauling uh, it looked like uh, Blake Hans had a pretty nice game, too. We'll see what the grades say. We'll have Kyle Murphy on and do our chalk talk. We do that on Tuesday night. We get about a half hour of O-line study. I'm sure he'll have plenty of great things to say, so join us for that one on Tuesday night. But, man, yeah, they were they were so good. They were good across the board, and I thought Case was pretty well protected for the most part of that game. And, uh, yeah, I just just think that the offensive line deserves some, some shout-out. I thought that the uh, tight ends after last week's three-target performance much improved today. Steve Hooper gets – Two for 42. 
Uh, I thought Njoku had two for 18. Boy, that Vegas just knows the props, though. Vegas' prop for Njoku was 17 yards. Over they don't under. keep all those lights on a uh, 24-7, yeah. 365 because they're guessing. Okay, yeah, you know? for sure. I love it when people say, I have a system in Vegas. Yeah, well, you know that 100-foot gold lion in front of the MGM? They paid for that with money from your system. Okay, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, you go system, for it. Buddy. Right? Um, <laughs> yeah, and then, and then Harrison Bryant had one for 15. The thing that we probably have to talk about, too, a little bit when we start talking about the offense, So, and it happened on the punt team, too, and it's kind of been a theme, Steve, is the illegal formation stuff. I mean, that's that's high school level stuff. If you're going to yeah. bring a guy across the formation and he's stepping onto the line of scrimmage, you got to give him a chance to get set. The other guy to get a chance to step off. Like you, you can't have those. I think they had three of them. And if you include the fourth one being, um, uh, help me. Out. It was a legal motion. Then there was the legal formation on Odell. But that one was weird because Odell was literally yeah, signaling that, that he was call. off. Yeah. Really weird. But then the the punt situation. It just like it felt like the Browns weren't as prepared or as crisp, I should say. Not that they weren't prepared. It's a third Sunday to Thursday turnaround, but just not as crisp as you would like to see. If you look at the penalties, uh, penalties Denver 2 for 15, Cleveland 9 for 60. So, yeah. you know, that that part of it wasn't encouraging. But it's, it, it's strange because last year they were so prepared for every game and so there were limited the mental mistakes. Physical mistakes are a different story, yeah. especially last year with how depleted they were. But the mentally they were prepared uh, and uh, for the first few games this year. They were yeah. the same way. And the last, I don't know, three games could probably, I mean, we have to, without making excuses, we have to say all the lineup shuffling, it, it makes a communication difficult on those kinds of things. It's got to play a part in it, but you're right. It, it's something they're going to have to clean up, especially, you know, 10 days from now when they play a ferocious pass rush, like the, mm -hmm. like the Steelers, you cannot, mm -hmm. you, regardless of who's under center, you cannot get behind the sticks against the Pittsburgh Steelers in that pass rush. You just can't and, do it. And you can run on Pittsburgh. I mean, that is one thing that they do not defend well. They'll get after right. you if you bury yourself, but, you know, they can they can be run on. Anyway, getting ahead of ourselves. I want to talk about this game more, Steve. I know you do too. Mm -hmm. Let's go through statistics real quick. It's kind of a segue into a lot of talking points for us here. Okay. Um, so let's look at some overall stuff. Cleveland, 9 of 15 on third downs. Big thumbs up. Major thumbs up. Big improvement. 376 yards on the game. Big improvement. Okay, 67 offensive plays to 49 for Denver. I should backtrack a little bit here. Denver, 5 for 11 on third down. Still not where you want it to be, but some encouraging steps in this game, Steve. We'll talk about that a bit more later. Only 223 yards for Denver. Right. Thumbs up on that. And 160 of that came on what, two drives? Exactly. 49 total yeah. offensive plays for Denver. Like keeping a team under 50 plays in a game. Uh, Cleveland, 182 net rushing yards, only 41 for Denver. Big positive. Passing yard net, Cleveland 194, Denver 182. We talked about penalties already. We know that John Johnson, hey, if you want a demonstration, and we're going to talk about it on Tuesday's Chalk Talk about how to play quarters, whoo, that was beautiful by John Johnson, where you play, they try to tease you with that little dig route right in front of you. He sells it for a second and then drops under the post behind him. That was a great, great, great interception. Really liked that play from John Johnson. That's the turnover in the game. Four punts each side. Jamie Gillen, credit where it's due. Finally step up to the plate. Boom, some punts. Hey, man, welcome to the football team in 2021. Thanks for helping us. Nice to see. Uh, touchdowns, two apiece. The Cleveland field goal is the difference in the game. 36 minutes, 51 seconds of possession for your Browns. Only 23 minutes for Denver. So, all positives. The thing that was negative on that is the missed field goal. Andrew Billings, my friend at right guard, just got... 
pushed into the next galaxy. I, I think that they're probably going to have to have a conversation about that because that was glaringly obvious and uh, was ugly. And every single kick where that happens will get blocked. So, but also McLaughlin, 52 yarder, dead nuts, right down the middle. In 29 mile an hour wins. Yeah. Yeah, man. Shout out. Shout out there. Big time. Individual performances. We talked about uh, the quarterback running back so far, but we'll give you their numbers 22 for 146 for Dearness Johnson. Shout out. Demetric Felton, two for 13. Felt like more running, but that's all he had, two for 13. John Kelly came in, a couple good runs, Steve, 13 yards. He had one really good one for 11. Like that, Case Keenan runs it four times for seven. Johnny Stanton, two carries, five yards, two first down runs in there. You like that for him, man. A guy who we were never sure was going to find an NFL field, two straight games of contributing. And this one, two first down runs, one touchdown catch. Visitor yeah. to the OBR, Steve. I was going to say, I was just going to say, for those of you uh, in the chat or the viewers who are new to us, uh, Johnny's a friend of the program, a friend of the show. He's been on the show. Uh, now that he's a big star, hopefully we can get him to come back. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding, of course. Of course, he, he's one of the nicest, most down to earth people we've ever had on the show. Uh, and so I was so happy for him, especially when he caught that touchdown. That was just how many times have we seen that fullback leaks uh, against the Browns? It's yeah. It's nice to finally see it work as well as it did for the Browns in a game situation like that. Kudos to our friend Johnny Stanton, and uh, hopefully we can get him back here. Heck yeah, man. Great, great game from him. They did run a reverse to Schwartz and went for negative two yards. Something's going to pop with him, okay? You know, I know I know everyone wants more, 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 more from the rookie. It's going to happen for him at some point. Nice catch on that uh, deep dig there that turned mm -hmm. into a 16-yard gain. Receiving, or sorry, about Case, 21 of 33 for Case, a buck 99 a touchdown. Game manager numbers, man. Didn't hurt the Browns at all. I don't think he had a turnover-worthy play in the game. Just a great, great game from him. Um, Austin Hooper leads the receiving yard categories, two for 42. Jarvis Landry has five for 37. Odell, two for 23. And those two are beat up, man. You see Jarvis is limping off the field at the end. Yeah, that's a, big con that, that's a big concern for me. I mean, I know there's an ongoing conversation that I have tried desperately to stay out of about number 80, but you could just yeah. see he anchors – you know, he does what you need him to do. He catches third down balls. He gives mm -hmm. balls over the middle. He gets the extra two yards and gets the first down. He's just, he's critical for this offense, whether you like his contract or not. So I was really concerned when he limped off. Hopefully that's nothing serious. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I, I really hope he can continue playing. Uh, Odell, clearly dealing with a bad shoulder, did not play a great game, uh, had, a, had a drop there that he should have caught. Uh, but he did. I, I would. I will give him credit. He had a couple nice plays in the second half. He ended up with two for twenty-three. Dearness Johnson two for twenty-two. Uh, Schwartz also two for twenty-two. Demetri Felton three for twenty-one. And Joku two for eighteen. Harrison Bryant one for fifteen. And this is like fantasy football nightmare. As I read two, three, two, one, one, one. <laughs> like these guys, they're so unpredictable, man. They're so unpredictable as far as who gets the football on the defensive side. Real quick before we close stats uh we can talk a little bit about denver later but walker goes for 10 total tackles ronnie harrison goes for five mac wilson goes for four and then it goes down the list a lot of three uh miles garrett gets a sack and a half he probably deserved another sack they gave him that teddy bridgewater running out of bounds sack he deserved it because he's getting he's just getting held he's getting hooked all game it's gone so far beyond uh, like at this point it's it's like a toddler balling up his fists and saying, I'm not going to no matter like the house is burning down and you're still not going to, you know, pick up the hose at this point. It, that's what it seems like, because it's 
it's so far beyond blatant and he's not a rookie anymore. So you can't say, well, he's got to earn the superstar calls or whatever you want to say. It's just, and it's right on the edge. It's not like he's getting held in the middle and, you know, in the pile up in the interior or anything like that. It's just, it, it doesn't even make any sense to complain about it anymore because it's ludicrous at this point. If he got one out of every five times that he was held, if he got a call, there would be seven a game. It's ridiculous. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Little Sorry. stat for you. No, you're fine. Little stat for you here. Dearness Johnson has 43 rushing yards over expectation. And I'm not sure if this was before the end of the game or not. That's 68.8% of his carries have more rushing yards than expected tonight. That's uh, that's really impressive. Anyway, yeah, you're right. I wrote an article last year how Miles gets Shaq treatment. He just they don't know how to call his game. And I don't know, Steve, if like if these primetime games refs where they know every single eye is watching their game are like afraid to call these, like they're afraid to throw flags. I feel like on Sunday games, those some of them get called more often. There was a blatant hold on tack right in front of an official. I'm like what and you know maybe it's just a cleveland stigma thing i i don't i just feel like i feel like miles is just continually held and he deserved to get a sack and a half for the efforts he put forth clowny also ended up with a half a sack in this game he got held all the time too for sure constantly the, the question as we look through the rest of the defense here is is denzel ward leaves with a with a hammy and uh yeah it's there's some conversations to be had around denzel the injury stuff is consistent now man steven we talked about earlier he missed the he missed the i think he played nine snaps snaps against the vikings uh, before he got hurt and you know that touchdown they threw to the flat which is red two they call that red two coverage he needs to step up and tackle the running back in the flat i just think i think listen i think denzel's good i just don't think he's as good as we think he is he's not elite he's just not an elite corner and he gets hurt a lot and there's some tough some tough conversations around him sitting there and i don't know i don't i don't want to do it right now i'm not asking you to do that steve i'm just saying like we they need him to be better they need him to be the guy they thought he could be when they drafted him and it just that play right there is the play it's like it's just these maddening inconsistencies with him man
So well, um, I I think you've hit it on the head because you've been saying this since about the middle of last year. He's good. Actually, when he's healthy, he's really good, but he's not elite. So it's going to come down to what kind of money he wants and thinks he can get elsewhere. If he's willing to take a, a contract commensurate with a good to really good corner, then I think they keep him around because the other two guys are still on cheap contracts for at least the next, what, three years, I think, until Greedy comes up, two years. I, I It's at least multiple more years that your other two stud corners are uh, are on cheap contracts. So if, if he's willing to take a commensurate contract, I would love to keep Denzel around, but you just have to adjust your expectations for him. You know what he is and what he's not. If he wants, you know, and I know I'm dating myself with this reference, if he wants Deion Sanders treatment, you know, that kind of money, if he mm -hmm. wants uh, Revis Island money, it's not going to come from Cleveland. This, this front office is not going to, unless he comes out and just, you know, goes nuts for the last 10 you know, plays out of his mind for the last 10 games of this season. But if it continues the way it is right now, he's a good corner. He's a solid piece. People out there saying, oh, we got to get rid of him. He sucks. Okay, you're just wildly overreacting at this point. He's good. He's really good. He's top third in the league, maybe top quarter in the league. But he, he shouldn't get set the market money, and that's going to be the question this offseason, I believe. Yeah, it's a, it's a discussion for another day for sure. It's right. just it's a tough it's a tough one, and I'd like him to be better, and I, he needs to stay on the field above all else. Above above all the play discussion, he's got to stay healthy, and that's just not happening. Um, uh, on the Denver side, real quick, it, it will close out. They only ran uh, Javante Williams ran four times for twenty. Melvin Gordon eight for eighteen. I just love when Cleveland shuts down running tags. I was so mm -hmm. annoyed with how well Arizona ran the ball on them last week because I don't think they're that good. But anyway. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, 23 of 33, 187, two touchdowns. That interception we talked about to John Johnson. And then on the receiving side, five for Cortland Sutton for 68. Boy, he's he's who I thought he was coming out of the draft. That dude's a stud. Uh, Noah Fant, five for 39. Javante Williams, six for 32. Tim Patrick, two for 16. They held him in check. They did a great job. And the stats bared out, Steve. They were they were good. They were They were really effective. Uh, on the defensive side when they needed to be you know I know I know everybody gets a little frustrated I get frustrated some things but they held them to 14 points had to do it right and they somehow got to 17 I thought it could be an ugly low scoring game if you're here for the pregame I thought they would lose 20 to 13 I'm happy to be wrong I think I got the weird reverse jinx with this team I'm telling you you should want me to want them to lose not want them to I don't want them to lose but predict they lose because I swear I miss on all those which is fine it's cool you don't you know last week I thought they'd beat the Cardinals and here we are but yeah, I mean the other the thing about the the secondary is we talk about the secondary. I thought they were better today, better. And I thought I thought early in the game. I think Greg Newsom's really good. I, I mean, I really very I really good. have no evidence that he's not very good. And he is he's very twitchy. And I thought the catch by Sutton was ridiculous to start the game. But mm -hmm. I just think he's always where he needs to be, man. And I do think that point being made right there, JOK's absence was evidence. He's a screen game eraser. You know, I know the Browns are leading the league in screen game touchdowns, but that's what he does well. That's touchdowns allowed. That's what he does well. He handles those things where he can run across the field and dart underneath the lineman and make a play. Uh, but you, you, th that's a great point, though. The screen game stuff, Steve, it's a little infuriating for the defense at this point, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it, and we'll talk about Baker here in a minute because, you know, right near the end of the pregame and then during the game, we got some updates on him. But uh, the defense, yeah, they held him to 14. They looked good. They were far more aggressive. Um, except for that long drive in the fourth quarter to make it 17 to 14. They mm -hmm. missed a ton of tackles on that one. But other than that, I thought they were solid tackling. But again, 
as we said in the pregame, if you're going to get your defense healthy, this is the offense to do it against. So how much is that they were really better and how much was it was Teddy Bridgewater and an offense that most nights can't get out of its own way? I don't know. And right in this moment, I don't care. They won. We've been saying since the final gun against Arizona, we've been saying all that matters is win. Go into this bot, this mini buy here, this next 10 days to try and get healthy with a W under your belt, be four and three instead of three and four. And that's all they did. All these questions about whether it was this offense or all that kind of stuff, we can worry about that later. Right now, let's just be happy that they won the game. And I thought uh, that guy right there, Mr. Taki Taki, and the, the much embattled Mac Wilson made uh, some serious plays early on that helped set the tone. So I thought, you know, I mean, they're not JOK. Obviously, that's not what I'm suggesting. But I thought for the moment in, in the situation that they were in, they stepped up and played uh, pretty darn well on the second level of that defense. Agreed. Agreed. They, they matched personnel pretty well today, and I thought that – you know, the statistics bear out a team that was physical at the point of attacking and got it done and handled handled that stuff really, really well. And I think if you take out the screen game throws in this game, they maybe threw for 110 yards. Like they mm -hmm. were pretty effective. And you're right, the, the Denver passing attack, not the most formidable right now, missing Jerry Judy, missing KJ Hamler. No doubt Pittsburgh will be a better challenge there. But Ben's not very good right now. And I don't uh, I don't exactly think they're going to see those types of quarterbacks and those types of offenses over the coming weeks between Jared Goff, Mac Wilson, Joe Burrow, that they're not built to handle. So, you know, obviously you would like to to have Denzel for the likes of Jamar Chase in a couple of weeks and even Deontay Johnson next week. But, you know, they, they, they're they they're the type of offenses that don't scare me as much, right? So, uh, yeah, there, there's some of that stuff going on too. And Yeah, I mean, I guess if you're going to be without a guy like JOK for three to four games, this is the stretch to do it in. Mm -hmm. I guess. I mean, you'd rather not be out without him at all, obviously. But uh, yeah, I mean, Ben's not going to, you know, chuck it for, you know, down the field and pick us apart like he did seven years ago. And the, and the rest of those don't particularly scare me either. Um, as long as the defensive line stays healthy and continues to disrupt. I mean, they didn't get a ton of sacks tonight, but we said on the pregame, sacks are an unstable metric. Pressures, disrupting the timing. If you can do that consistently, then your defensive line is doing their job. And I thought very frequently tonight they did that. Um, and now they adjusted, and uh, Teddy got the ball out uh, much, much quicker uh, uh, in the second and third quarter and, and in the fourth quarter as well on that one long drive. Um, but uh, when you can force the other team to alter their game plan the way they did, alter their offensive scheme, that means your defensive line is doing their job, right? For sure. For sure. Another stat on Dearness Johnson. He was plus 53 in rush yards over expected by the end of the game. That's ninth best by a halfback this season in the entire NFL. He was also third best in rush expected points added at 6.8 per next gen stat. So that's a pretty special game and they needed him, right? They needed him and it, uh, it definitely felt, uh, let's, let's kind of bro this top to me. Uh, in, I thought that the offense looked pretty familiar. I, I did. I didn't, I didn't really notice much was missing. Now, again, you would like them to score more than 17 points. It would have gotten to 20 if they made their field goal. Could have gotten a couple more, maybe here or there, but they were pretty efficient. I did, I, you know, they punted what four times, I said earlier. So you'd like to see that eh, three, punted three times. You'd like to see that be a little better, but like I thought Dearness Johnson uh, made us feel like they weren't missing their two fantastic running backs. And again, that's one week, not a big deal, but I just thought Case. 
Case played every bit as well as injured Baker has. And again, that's injured Baker. I'm not trying to create a controversy. Right. I just thought he played well. And I thought he played well enough as, as I did not feel there was a steep drop off at quarterback to me. So that's just, well, I mean, if you look against you look Baker, at the... I'm, I'm just saying, Steve, like nothing against Baker. I'm just no, I saying get it. Yeah. it was fine. It was fine quarterback play. And that's, that's what I thought they, I, why I thought they had a chance to win. He stewarded the offense at an acceptable level, I think is the best way to do it. If you look at the overall team stats, and obviously box score stats don't tell the whole story, but the time of possession, the number of first downs, the the total yards were down a little from where, you know, if, if Baker's on his game, they're, in, they're over four and closer to five on a pretty regular basis. But, I mean, they were averaging 34, 35, 36 minutes of possession, which is what they do, and they wear teams down. And then, you know, under normal circumstances, that pays dividends in the fourth quarter because 24 comes in and just hammers teams. But 30 did that pretty well tonight. So, yeah, I thought it was an acceptable level of offense. I thought it was just about what we expected, what we needed. And again, just so we're clear here, Jake said it. I said it before. I'm going to say it again. Injured Baker was not any better than what Case did right now. He may have, he has the arm to maybe make a few deeper throws that Case simply doesn't have in his pocket, but the offense isn't going to look much better with injured Baker than it looked tonight with Case. I thought he was, I thought he was a, a veteran leader out there tonight. Yeah. And that speaks to Case Keenum being able to come in and, and handle that. So, yeah, I mean, la the last two weeks, if you go back to the Minnesota game, not, not, not the charging, but the Minnesota game, to look at those two grades, like Baker was, kind of clearly in the stats board out. There was a nice article in the ringer about it. He was holding the offense back. And again, that's not to de de demean anything about Baker's future, what he could be, where he's going. He just was playing bad and he's playing bad because he's got a jacked up shoulder and right. that's obvious. So, you know what? Some of it all ties together. He's not playing well. He'll get another chance at it probably, but yeah, like case. Let's talk fun. about it now. Let's yeah. talk about it now because uh, uh, I think Ian has, uh, a screenshot of uh, Jay Glazer's st uh, stats, Jay Glazer's tweets from earlier tonight, just in case anybody missed it. There was uh, there was one before this uh, where he said uh, he's got a, uh, a, a fractured bone in his shoulder that is keeping uh, his um, uh, rotator cuff from firing. And there was some concern that it could be a longer term thing Then later on during the game. This is the one that came out, the actual fracture. He said it was to the humerus bone in pregame and then he corrected himself here. Uh, a fracture, according to Baker, is called tuberosity. Uh, and for you, my fellow kids of the 80s out there, that is not totally tuberosity. It's just tuberosity, which is the top of the humerus. Once that heals, he can come back. Now, he said he's hoping he's back for their next game. Now, that's Baker. That's not the doctors. That's not Kevin. That's not anybody like that. Ke I mean, you know, I, my guess is if, you, if then nobody would have said anything, Baker would have gone out there and played tonight. I mean, you basically have to force that guy to sit. So, he may want to come back the next game, but I know uh, Dr. Uh, uh, Dr. Brandon here on the OBR staff said the, the healing time for this kind of a fracture is usually about a month, I think is what he said. I could be paraphrasing that. Uh, but um, so I, I don't know if it's realistic that he comes back. But then again, if the bone part heals to the point where they think he can't hurt the labrum any worse by getting hit on it, maybe they bring him back. I don't know. I, you know, this is the kind of thing that, we sitting here on the outside really have no insight on because we don't have the information there, but it's, it's clearly something that has been affecting his play. Uh, if they're publicly admitting this at this point, it's been really affecting his play and it will going forward. And again, to bring it back to something we talked about a few minutes ago, 
I don't know if that Pittsburgh pass rush is the place you want a guy coming back if he's only 80% healed from a broken bone. That's just me thinking 10 days ahead at this point. Um, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I just think that Baker playing injured isn't going to solve anything. I really don't. And maybe that's me being a, a, I don't know, dramatic or whatever. I just think Case can be okay, enough okay to, to give him a chance. Like I just, I don't think we've seen the version of Baker that we hope is there. And if we want to think it's the shoulder, which obviously it could be, very well could be, then what what's going to change, Steve? What's going right. to change? Like he's not going to have a healing. He's not going to have some heal in his left shoulder. It's not going to. He's got to get surgery. He's got to figure all that out. He's got to let it heal, whatever. But like, that's not going to change this year. So why would you, if the level of play is not going to be any different, why would you throw him there and let him suffer? But I get it. Baker's a tough guy. I understand that part of him, what he wants to do for his team and all of it. But at some point, the people around Baker and the people in, in the front office are going to have to say, hey, man. We get it. We understand where you want to be. We understand your frustration while the year gone, all of it. You're looking at, you know, the future. And that's a big part of it, too, is like you're under contract next year anyway. Come back healthy and, and, and give give yourself a clean slate opportunity to go out and prove it. And if you, you know, you have the 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 the, the salary tag, the franchise tag you can use, like there's a whole bunch of ways to make it work if he can right. figures it out. But I just don't think he's going to figure it out with the status of his left shoulder. So to me, it's so strange to be rushing him back. And especially with how Case played tonight. Like Case is clearly limited. We know that. We watched some of the downfield throwing, but he can do what this offense needs him to do. He'll take the layups. He'll make especially those in the short throws. term. Yeah. And he will. And he'll step up in the pocket without any fear. He'll make downfield down the middle throws. So I just think for everybody involved, it's wise for him to shut it down, come back healthy next year, learn your lesson, big guy. You, you shouldn't have tried to tackle the guy in that open field. You probably should flip that ball away against the Cardinals. You know, you got to learn your lessons here, take your knocks and come back healthy. I, I just don't think it's going to get better for him. You know, he's, he's, I, I, if somebody could explain to me, Steve is what I'm getting at. If someone can explain to me how he gets better from this, I'm all ears, but right. what about how he's played? What about the injury status and how the injury heals is better by throwing him out there. And I, I'm just saying, like, to me, and I'll say, I said in the pregame, if some of you weren't in the pregame, if you're going from from Russell Wilson down to uh, uh, down to Geno Smith, there's a gigantic drop-off. Healthy Russell Wilson down to Geno, but, but injured Baker is what we've seen for three weeks now, four weeks, and that drop-off is not steep to any at all going to case right now. So I just think the smart thing to do for everybody is that Baker should shut it down. Wipe it out, get the surgery now, so you have plenty of time in the offseason, Steve, to to rehab it, be a hundred percent, get with your guys, and go from there. I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't see how it gets better. I just don't see how it gets better. I think, I think, uh, you know, I mean, and we'll talk about the Baker stuff for the next ten days. I am sure that it's going. To, I am sure, as is tradition on social media, we will rapidly transition from okay, they did what they had to do and got a win. Let's be happy about it. To okay, what's the next thing we can be miserable and scream at each other about? Well, um, like back, I want one more point about Baker, Steve. I'm yeah. sorry, man. I don't know you're cut good. You off. But we've seen, if you've come to all the Chalk Talk sessions this year, Steve, we've talked about Baker having some bad habits right now. Not ripping the ball when he should rip it. Not taking the chances he normally takes. Right. Not throwing in the tight windows he should throw. And if it is justified by, I don't trust my arm, I, I'm gun shy, I'm afraid to get hit, 
Think about the habits he's forming, Steve, the rest of the right. way, too. I didn't make that point a minute ago. But if he's changing, altering uh, all of the ways that he plays and the things that makes Baker pretty good, then why do we want him to keep going with those bad habits the rest of the way? Don't you want your quarterback with a, with a clear mind, a clear conscience, a clear bill of health so that he can do the things that you want him to do to form those long-term good habits? If he does those things the rest of the year, He's going to lose the faith of those around him on the front and the in the team on the team. He's not taking the throws. He's not making. He's not taking those shots he normally takes. He's not ripping the ball. Like I just don't think the mental side of it and the and and like the the way the muscle memory ties into your brain and how you're processing defense. I just don't think it's great for him to go through and form bad habits the rest of the season. And then you never really. And then you look back on it in 2025, Steve. We're like, man, maybe if Baker didn't have that terrible 2021. He could have figured it out. But, like, I just think shutting it down, man, watching. Like, sometimes watching the game from the sideline can help you. It can mm -hmm. really help you. It can help you process things and see things. I just, to me, it's like this rush to get him back. Why? I I, I don't know. I get I get from Baker's side, like, like the contract and where are my teammates. And I get it. But it's like, look, step back, young man, and look at the whole thing here. Look at the whole thing. So, that's where I'm at with it. Yeah, I mean, you know, maybe the the route to take is if it is a month a heal you know, time for for this uh, particular injury, as Doctor Brandon has said, maybe put him on the short term, and, and then three weeks from now you figure out where it is. If it's still not healed after short term IR, then you shut it down for the year. But I think maybe putting it on short term to remove any chance that he's lying to his trainers and saying he's okay and can go out there and play, and you know, just remove the possibility for three weeks. Maybe that's a route they take. I, I don't know. You know, I, I'm just I'm spitballing here. Maybe that's the take. Save the young man from himself. But what I was going to say is uh, we will talk about this ad nauseum because that's what we do in Cleveland uh, sports radio and sports social media as we talk about the quarterback to a level of minutia that is, you know, smaller than a than an atom, but um, I think what we need to take away from tonight as fans is when the rest of the team finally gets healthy, a knock on wood, assuming they do, the depth that we talked about in the offseason is very real. Uh, Demetric Felton and, and um, Dearness Johnson can come in and they can hold down that running, uh, that running back spot. Uh, the depth uh, at wide receiver, as long as you have Jarvis back, uh, is plenty. The tight ends can do what they do. The offensive line with just one of the tackles back looked much, much better tonight. And when Jack Conklin comes back, they will be back to what they were doing last year. And that takes a lot of pressure off of the quarterback position, as we know. So, uh, you know, and then JOK comes back in three weeks and the defense is starting to look like they're getting a little more confidence playing forward rather than on their heels. So I, I, I think we just need to enjoy the fact that they won tonight with basically their B squad out there. Even the, a lot of the guys from the A squad that came back, Jarvis was clearly not himself. Odell's clearly not himself. Jed was, what, somewhere between 50 and 75%, but his mere presence uh, uh, was uh, uh, such a boon to this offensive line, which looked as good as they have all year. So I think that's what we need to focus on, at least in the short term as fans. And let, let's let ourselves enjoy the good. We said, we, we said for four days, just find a way. Just win. Winning's the only thing that's important. Well, they did it. Let's enjoy it for at least 48 hours or something before we start going at each other again because we're going to get there eventually very soon. 
Yeah, and and there's probably there's probably too a discussion to have about Odell. I mean, I think you know, lost in the shuffle is still a guy who is coming back from ACL. He's it's really just hit a year today from an ACL tear. And I hate to tell you, but he might not be perfect as he starts out here. I think he's been pretty good in some games this year creating open opportunities, but he's not perfect yet. And can we give him some time? Can we just, can we give him the rest of the year? I mean, I know everybody wants to box him up and ship him out and trade him, but like maybe they just ride it out and see what happens and like give him a chance to get used to running on a football field again with an, with a repaired ACL that just hit the 12 month recovery. You know, I don't, I don't think there's, and we've talked about it, Steve, I'm just his salary cap number and the teams that have actually the money to fit him in. I think there. I don't think there's a trade out there for him. I, I don't. Well, yeah. You have to keep him, and you have to ride it out. And like, instead of burying this guy, maybe we try a guy who does everything the right way, who is clearly a guy who cares. He said all the right things. Just give him a chance. Like, just pump the brakes on the hatred, man. I know you have high expectations for him. So does he. You know, and he's dealing with a really beat up shoulder now all of a sudden, too. If you go back and watch that game in the Cardinals game where his shoulder just got absolutely drilled into the ground, two players land on top of him. I'm not trying to create excuses. He's got to catch the football when it hits him in the hands. Right. I, I got it. Cool. But man, these are humans, too. And he's coming back from one of the worst injuries you can have in your lower body, an ACL tear. It's been, what, four games now, Steve? I think he's played. This is just week seven. Last year was when he tore it. So. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I get it. I want him to be better. And I'm sure Odell wants to be better too, but like, let's just, there's no other option here, but to play it out the rest of the year. And he's going to keep getting opportunities. And I'm going to guess that he'll make some big plays the rest of the way. If he's, you know, if he's healthy enough. Well, that's the thing too, right now. I, and this is one of the few cogent things that was said on the broadcast. What market are you going to get for a guy with a bum shoulder? Who's coming mm -hmm. off an ACL and, and hasn't put up the stats. You're not going to get anything. I mean, now it, let's, you know, clear our minds. Even if they move him in the offseason completely healthy, you're not getting multiple ones. Okay. That's not happening. No. I've seen people out there saying that kind of stuff. Maybe eight years ago, you get that for, for a wide receiver, but not anymore. That's not the way it is. So there's no trade market that makes any sense right now. Plus, uh, and I, we've been saying this for a month now, Jake. It's so close. It's, I texted you when that, when he slipped and fell down because that was a great route and he was open. And if he hadn't fallen down, the ball was there. Whether he could have shook that tackle and converted for the first down, I don't know. But the ball was right there. It seems like if he's open, something happens and the quarterback can't get him the ball or they miss him. If they get him the ball, then he slips or you know somebody makes a great play or he drops it. He's had some egregious drops. He's had a couple of egregious drops in the last uh, few weeks. It's like... He's always this close. 
It's it's not like there's this giant gap between Odell and making plays. He's this close to making a lot of plays. I mean, like I said, he burnt that guy in the in the first. Uh, he's he's been wide open, running naked a lot, and hasn't gotten the ball. So yeah. it's not like he's out there. You know, I saw somebody tweet something about he's just a, he's a more expensive uh, Kenny Britt or something like that. And I, I just just like, what are you serious? Uh, he's, it's Kenny not even Britt really didn't care any about comparable. Yeah, he's dude, this come close, you know, to making yeah. some great plays, and he's he's hurt as hell. So. Um, yeah, I mean, if, if you want to get rid of him in the off season because of the contract and all the things that we've been talking about, that's a different discussion, but right now he's not going anywhere. So don't waste your brain power or your breath. And like you said, Jake, I will, I would be very shocked if between now and the end of the year, he doesn't make at least one or two game changing plays that turns a game because that's just the kind of player that he still is. I would agree. Uh, I, I think that it's right there. And somebody said earlier, like, He's treating every target like it's the Super Bowl because that's true. And he's trying, he's trying so hard. He wants people to like him. He's wired that he loves and when people adore him, and he wants to make it work here. He really does. Like, I think he's trying really hard. And and sometimes when you try really, really hard at anything, Steve, it just like it doesn't happen, you know, like it just doesn't happen always the way you want it to go. And you're just trying and you care to it. He just needs. It's like the thing with Baker too. Like, just relax, man. Let it come organically, and stop trying to make a, you know every five yard out a fifty five yard gain. I, I think that they're, I think that they're close. I definitely do. Uh, they're they're right where they want to be in terms of some targets that are just a hair off. But my bigger point when I brought it up is just like pump the brakes, man. He's not going anywhere. There's right. no. They're so. It would take a crazy thing to line up here, but as the trade deadline approaches where a team A has enough cap to fit him in, B has the capital willingness to pass away, like give off a second round pick or something. He's not getting a one. He's 20, he's going to be 29. Not getting a one. Like you said multiple ones a minute ago. Like that's not happening. He can maybe get you a two or a three, but like I, I it's like that all of that lining up would just be sort of crazy to me. So he's here. He's here through the end of the year. Let's just keep seeing if we can figure it out. And if we get to week 17, the wild card, the divisional round and we still haven't figured it out, then hey, there's times in life where it doesn't work out, but it doesn't mean it was the wrong decision at the time either. It right. doesn't mean that. I think going back and hindsighting it and saying, man, they shouldn't have traded. No, if you have a chance to get a player who was playing like Odell was when they traded for him, you do it 10 out of 10 times. It was going into Baker's second year, all the momentum in the world, it all looked right, and everybody loved it. It was universally loved, and if you want to go back and say it wasn't, that's because you just don't want to believe what was fact at the time. So it's, it's just like sometimes you do things and you have great intentions and the process is great, but the results don't work out. That's just how it goes sometimes. I hope, like hell, Steve, that they can have some fun by the end of the year. Shout out to the chat, Danny for Porter, for cheering uh, an, uh, an unknown amount of bits. Uh, he's been doing some, you've been doing some odd numbers, I think, on purpose to try and make me do math this late at night, and I'm not going to do it. So I'm just going to say thank you for the bits. Uh, but let's uh, let's talk more about the star of tonight, Dearness Johnson. Um, Ian's got some uh, some stuff that has come out that I think is pretty darn cool. Uh, yeah, there it is. Uh, favorite story about Dearness? He DM'd every AAF team in 2018 after he went UDFA asking for a tryout, and he made the Orlando team, and then you know took advantage of it like that. And he's worked his ass off. He's earned this. And then I think you also have another screenshot. 
uh, Ian, that that's, I, I love it. It's going to, it makes this story fantastic. If you have that, go ahead and put it up uh, on his, uh, yep, there it is. This is, this is a screenshot of one of the actual DMs that he sent uh, to the, to the guy, the teams in the AAF. Now that is a guy that believes in himself. All he wants is a chance and he's continuing to work his ass off behind the scenes. And then we all know, you know, it's taken him here to Cleveland and what he did tonight was just the culmination of it. So, you know, uh, uh, kudos to Dearness Johnson, not only for that, it's a great story. Um, and, uh, we love having him here. Great game tonight. He is, I, I don't think, you know, as much as we've been talking about Case Keenum and what he did and deservedly so, and the defense shutting down for the most part, a, uh, an anemic Broncos offense and deservedly so, uh, I think clearly Dearness Johnson is the main reason that they won the game tonight. I, I, I don't know how anybody would disagree. He, he provided a burst. He provided a spark emotionally as well as with what he did on the field. And he, uh, I don't think he fell backwards one time. I, I don't think the first guy ever brought him down. Yeah. I, th I thought it yeah. was at least two guys to get him down on. I might be missing one or two here and there where the first guy brought him down, but it felt like every single time he had the ball in his hands, the first guy either bounced off him or at least dragged him a yard or two. For sure, man. He was great. I, I think the offensive line deserves credit too. And I'm not saying you're not giving him credit, Steve, but like in the NFL, the offensive line can do oh, some sure. really good. Right. They can do some really good things for you, but you still have to make a guy miss. Like every run, if you go back and watch almost every run, or seventy-five percent of runs, or something like that, three out of four, whatever the number is, you have to make somebody miss to create yards over eight, nine, ten. And, and the stats we've shared with you tonight are him going rush yards over expected. The offensive line did a great job. Thought the tight ends from the first view of uh, of the game I've had did a pretty good job too uh, in blocking. But Dearness created yards. Like he created yards that went from five, six, seven to. 10, 11, 12, 20. He had, I think, two or three 20-yard runs. I would imagine he'll get the highest rush grade of the season from, from a Browns running back. He'll be up there uh, with Nick Chubb's uh, Chargers game. He'll be right there with him. So uh, he he was great. Yeah, he was like he was the reason they won tonight, without a doubt. He created some second-level runs that were fantastic, and uh, it just – a cool story. It's just a cool story. I, I kind of, I went on a podcast the other day. Uh, Joe rolls are, are, you know, you talk to Joe on Twitter sometimes too, Steve. He's, he's a great dude. I went on his mile high um, podcast and I said, Hey, it could, <laughs> I was kind of being cavalier about it, but I'm like, this could be one of those games where like last week, Arizona's story was they overcame the coach. But well, right. You know, Dearness Johnson could be the storyline if he runs really well and he ran really well and all the praise that's going to him. It's awesome. You know, in the post game presser, Someone told him that LeBron James singled him out in a tweet and he was like smiling like a little kid. Like it's like he's like, really? That's so cool. Like this is just a neat story, you know, and it's just it's crazy. that These guys are so talented, Steve. They're they're among the one percent of the one percent in the world playing football for a living. He's a third string running back in the NFL. Nobody knows him. Nobody knows him outside of Cleveland. And some people in Cleveland don't even know him. And now tonight happens and everybody knows his name. And that's just got to be like he goes home to the place he's always been, the place he's always stayed and be like, this is a whirlwind. <laughs> you know, like it's just a whirlwind, but he, he deserves all that credit. And I hope that everybody remembers Dearness Johnson's name. Even if, you know, even if he doesn't have another game like this in his Cleveland tenure or wherever his career goes, it should be, I'll never forget this game from him. It was really, really great. And a time that the Browns needed it and a chance to really swing their season back in the direction we all thought it could go. Who knows where it goes, Steve, who knows who plays quarterback, who knows where it goes. Uh, but we know one thing, right? is that never, ever, ever, ever take an NFL win for granted. And tonight, although it wasn't pretty, uh, it's not going to, it's not like you said, not going to hang in the loo for the, the most uh, 
beautiful NFL win of all time. It was a win, and Cleveland had lost two in a row, and they could not lose the third in a row. Their backs were against the wall, and number 30 showed up and and, and did his job and really helped Cleveland put it, he put him on their back. He put him on his the whole team on his back, I thought, in some certain moments. And for him to run for that first down to close the game, get it called back twice, yeah, and then go again. <laughs> and not only did he he was at, at four yards, it was a defender. He made a miss, got inside right. of him and then and <clears throat> got across for another couple yards to get the first down to run for eight yards. And you know, that's the identity of the Cleveland Browns, Steve. You know, we, we talk quarterback like 90% of our lives. We talk quarterback, 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 and then a quarterback driven league with quarterback play, always the discussion, passing yards, blah. You know, the MVP is a quarterback only award. And it's like, that's not the identity. And whether you think that's right or wrong, whether you think the Browns need to make throwing their identity, they're not that team. They're a running team. And tonight was a perfect example of when they find their identity, they can win games uh, no matter who's on the field. And they found their identity and they looked really comfortable. And you should be proud of the football team you pull for. Yeah, this this feels like one of those things where, you know, Monday after they come back to work, somebody will ask Ernest about it and he'll say, you know, one of those comments in the pressers like these guys say like, man, my phone was blowing up. I heard from people I hadn't talked to in 15 years after that game, you know, that kind of stuff. And that's a great thing for a young man. You know, it's a, it's a great accomplishment. Uh, we said it on the pregame that this was this was a showcase game, not just for the rest of this year, but for next year, this game tonight you know, unless he blows out his knee or something before the end of the year, this game tonight will earn him a contract somewhere in the NFL next year, probably somewhere where he can be either a starter or share carries in a, in a two headed backfield for a lot more money than he's making right now, you know, being the third guy behind uh, 24 and 27. So we said in the pregame that it was a big opportunity for him. And like a lot of guys do, sometimes he stepped up and he absolutely took it. And to answer your question here, uh, Commander of Awesome, he, yeah, he ran a 4-8. It, it, it reminds me of Felton. And it, and it's like what we said um, in the uh, uh, in the beginning here. You know, some uh, game speed is far more important than your time speed. And especially, you know, for pro days or um, uh, the combine, if that gets back to, you know, it's normal thing. You sit, I sit and I watch those guys, especially the wide receivers. The wide receivers and the and the cornerbacks because so much rides on that 40. So they've basically been training their whole life. They went to thousands of practices. They've been hit a million times. They've made how many plays between high school and college? And that 4.3 seconds decides whether they get a first round pick and four million dollars or a third round pick and you know 187 and might not even make the team. It's it's crazy to me that so much rides on that. But to answer your question, I don't know. I don't know what happened at his uh, at his pro day. I, I couldn't tell you, but uh, he's much faster on the field. I know that. And that's why a lot of the league is starting to go towards that SAS uh, measured in game speed rather than looking at 40 times at pro days and combines and things like that. Yeah, it's it, it, he's OK. Let's a good point to talk about. He's a guy who I, I don't know. I didn't really see him run away from people in the open field tonight. Like they had some angles yeah, on him and things game. like that. But he might he might be a four seven guy, but it, there, there's a misconception in football, Steve, that I don't think people talk enough about. Jerry where, Rice ran four seven. Yeah, it's like it's like how quickly do you get to your top speed, though? If you're a build up guy, like I think it's pretty fair to say Anthony Schwartz is a build up guy. And when he builds up, if you let him build up, he's a freak. Uh, that's mm -hmm. the thing. He's a bit of a build up guy. Like I think the Ernest is a, again, a nice mixture of burst out of cut and creating your top speed quickly. I think that is something that people don't talk about enough. You know, that's what makes Nick special is Nick is like a, 
he can cut and simultaneously like get to top speed right now. And then it's, Oh, he's that fast. Didn't realize he was that fast. You just, that's what makes him different, but he gets to top speed quickly in and out of cuts. And he has an inside, like that cut he's making in the photo right in front of you. He, I'm going to go back and count it when I write this up in the morning, but he made several people miss on that at the second level where I was like, wow, that's impressive. Like that is a real second level cut to make a defender miss that turns a run from four to eight. And those plays matter when you're staying in front of the sticks. So as much as we like love that stuff, you know, have those conversations, he's a four, he's a four, four, he's a, how quickly do you get to top speed? Because right. it, the difference in the NFL between, you know, like Tyree kill and guys who also like, you know, there's Tyree kill and this other guy who also ran a fourth dude, Tyree kill is a four, three, four, two, five guy. Who's also, he's like, boom, right there, right now. That's why mm-hmm. you don't find other Tyree kills floating out on the street. So that there is something, yeah, and qu- in a good point there from Kevo, quick isn't the same as fast. I get that, but I'm talking about how quickly do you get to a speed that is different than the people around you? That's the thing. He gets to a speed, and I don't know if you give him the ball on a straight line, can he run away from people? We didn't really get an opportunity to see that tonight, but he gets to his speed quickly, which allows him to make a difference from zero yards to 15 yards, and that's a nice – he was like – again, he doesn't run like Kareem, and he doesn't run like Nick. It's different. He was, he's different. No, I, I know you're agreeing with me, Kev. I'm seeing your comment there. I know, I know. I'm just saying like, I think that there's like a quick in, in, in all that stuff, like quick and fast. There's also another thing, like how quick do you get Build fast, up. right? Yeah. yeah. Like how quick do you get fast? And I think some guys are at quick. top speed in their third step. Some guys yeah. need their eighth step. You yeah. Know, kinda, like, it's it's kind of like DPJ versus Odell. People sure. say D, DPJ is a deep threat because he's got this speed. He is, but he's a different kind of deep threat. Odell yeah. In like two and a half, when he's healthy, in like two and a half steps, is at his top speed. DBJ takes a couple more steps. Once he gets there, he's yeah. just as fast, maybe even a little faster. But it takes him a little while to build to build that up. And I think that's what you're saying. We've we've all heard quick versus fast. That's you know the Jarvis Landry debate. You know he's quicker than mm-hmm. he is fast and all that kind of stuff. I think what you're saying is how quick do you get to top speed, which is a totally yeah. separate thing. Which which is like last year they did the about. speed thing on that long Daniel Jones run. What it was like week four of 2020, right. and right. he had gotten to a similar speed that even Tyreek did. But it takes Tyreek. He's like a Lamborghini. He's there so fast. While maybe you know Daniel Jones is a Buick. Like it just takes him right, a different yeah. amount of time to get there. So. You know, that's the same with Lamar. Like, I don't think Lamar is a run away from you fast guy. Like, he doesn't run away from people. But what he does is he's at his top speed right now, and he can also put the brakes on and make you miss Change right direction. now. And that's yeah. the stuff. That's the stuff that doesn't get talked about enough in football. Yeah, we love the speed of the 40-yard dash and all the mainstream, but that is like – that's the difference in football games that really matters. I saw a good comparison for uh, Dearness a bit ago. I can't remember who posted uh, – I thought Alfred Morris was what somebody said, and I thought, ooh, I like that comp. Alfred Morris was a similar player, really similar player at the second level. So, um, yeah, that's that's about it. That's about all I got for my recap, Steve. Do you have anything else to add before we sort of put a bow on this thing? Uh, no, I have to – yeah, I got to get going here pretty soon. I have a super early flight tomorrow. So, um, I think until – we can sit down and watch the all 22. Uh, and I'm not sure, even sure when that comes out on a Thursday night. I know when it comes out on a Sunday game, I don't know when it comes out on a Thursday game, uh, but until we can do that, um, I, I don't think there's a lot more that we can add to it at this point. And frankly, much like the team is going to do, we as a fan base need to take a couple of days off. Just relax. We've been going <laughs> hard on this team since the end of the chiefs game in January 
We have been going hard on this week. team. The, <laughs> the fan base needs a bye week, at least yeah, a mini bye. Just yeah. go be with your family. I'm sure they're nice people. Then watch the other games on Sunday, and then Monday we can get back to talking about this again. So Yeah, that's a good reminder, Steve. Yeah. We are going to start kind of changing our Twitch schedule. We made a promise to all of you loyalists who are here at 1230 in the right. Eastern time zone. Like, you guys are savages. We love you to do this seven days a week. We've taken a step back to look at what the data says, what you guys actually demand. And it's told us that Monday, Sunday through Thursday is what you really want. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to focus all of our efforts on Sunday through Thursday moving forward. So that's what you can expect. So the next few days, as, as Ian does a great job throwing this up, this is going to be our, for, our foreseeable future of schedule. We'll do the next time you'll see us after tonight is going to be the Monday rewind. And then you'll get your film room with me on Tuesdays. You'll get your Wednesday OBR weekly. And then we'll do Thursday roundtables instead. Yeah. Unfortunately with my family, that uh, joke is just never going to die. Never will. <laughs> never will. So yeah, then we'll do Thursday OBR roundtable instead of Friday. So we're going to take Friday, Saturday off because Friday nights, you guys are doing things with your family. You're doing all this different stuff. And Friday night football happens during the season and all that. If there's a huge demand as Friday night football stuff winds down and we get a bunch of people that said, hey, hey, jabronis, throw something up on Fridays. Well, yeah, we're bored. We'll, we'll consider it. But for now, this is what it tells us. Saturday's all college football all day and you should enjoy it. And we're not going to stress ourselves out with that either. But I want you guys to know that we are going to give all of our best efforts to make Monday through th Sunday through Thursday, game day through Thursday, the best Browns content you can find. We'll pour our heart and soul into that as we do everything here. And uh, I hope you guys enjoy it. This between the pregame and the postgame, Steve, some unbelievable interactions, guys. We we I, I don't do this because I like talking to Steve. He's a good friend of mine, great dude. We do it because you guys are here and you enjoy it and your interactions great, and that takes it to a whole new level. So right, yeah, you that's that's what it's all about. Later in the year, because I've had people ask, you know, later in the year, we tried to do the Saturday morning draft show and the numbers just weren't there. I had a blast. I had Jordan Reed on. I had uh, Bill Carroll on. I had some great guests. And, you know, we'll get back to it. We'll get everybody's back to it. watching football. Everybody's watching the games. Nobody wants to talk about uh, you know, draft stuff this early in the season. So we just we'll get back to that later in the draft yeah. season. There's a limited amount of, of crazies uh, like me who like to talk about the draft every single day all year round. And so we learned our lesson there. So like Jake said, we know we promised you seven days a week. The data is undeniable at this point. Take Friday and Saturday. Go do your thing. We're going to do our thing with our family and everything. But this schedule that you see on your screen right now. Uh, this is when we're getting great numbers. This is when you guys are all here watching us. We've had, I don't know, we I think between the pregame and the postgame, we've had over 60 new subscribers. Yeah. I don't know how many new followers. You cheered. I don't know how many bits. We completed two hype trains. And this is for a Thursday night game. So you guys are awesome. And we want to just keep doing the stuff where everybody has a chance to interact and have fun and be the best that we can be here on this channel for you. We don't want to put yeah, something up just to put something up. Yeah, pouring a lot more effort into the shows that we're doing on those uh, game day through so, through, uh, through through Thursday. So we will be, like I said, we won't be back tomorrow. We won't be back Saturday. And this will be the probably, actually, I think the Browns play on a Monday night. So I can't say the only time we won't be back on a Sunday. But we won't be back Sunday either. So keep your eyes out for us on Monday. We'll and have I did all your see, coverage. Uh, somebody put a question up and it's scrolled past now. Yes, if something happens. If there's a if they trade, yeah. make a big trade on a Friday, yeah, we'll do an emergency stream and that kind of stuff. But we're not going to yeah. schedule anything for Friday and Saturday. Somebody asked that. I just wanted to address it before we get out of here. Yep. So that's the schedule. Keep your eyes out for Monday. Steve and I will be back. Steve will have another guest on with us on Monday. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Tuesday, film room. Wednesday, 
we'll have OBR Weekly, and then we'll do our Thursday roundtable. Take your weekend off. Have fun. Your team already won for the week. That's a pretty nice feeling. We enjoy you more than you enjoy us. I promise you that. Thank you guys for joining the show uh, so, so much. Your Cleveland Browns winners over the Denver Broncos tonight, 17-14. This is a sign-out from the OBR's post-game coverage for Ian, our great producer, to Steve, the brains behind this whole operation on the live side. Uh, me, who is here just because I have a face for radio. Uh, for everybody involved, thank you guys. Appreciate you. Have a great night. And, Steve, as usual, go Browns. Win! The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.